everybody just leaves. And then there is actually, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's actually now a National Back to Church Sunday. Did y'all know that? Yes, it is. A National Back to Church Sunday. I'm expecting Hallmark just to get that thing and just be a whole target section just for that right there. National Back to Church Sunday. I believe it's the 21st or the 24th of September, whatever that weekend is. I'm not sure. But so we're, we're, we're gearing up for that. So people start getting their life back in order. The kids are back in school. Um, businesses start kind of linking and clicking and everything's moving. And so as a church, we want to be ready for that. We really believe, and, and you've been hearing us talk a lot lately, that we believe this is a new season for the body of Christ and for us as a church. And then also, we know that it's harvest time, that this is the time when people start, all right, it's time to get back in the groove, get back to church. And so we're going to do it. One, one reason that I want us all to be faithful in our giving is I have a, Chris and I both have a passion, not only to be a blessing to Fall Hamilton, but we want to be a blessing to this entire neighborhood. And one way we want to do that is by letting them know that we're here. I was mapping out uh, about a three-mile radius from the church, from where we are, where God's planting us, and just begin to pray over it. And for several thousand dollars, we could send a mailer to every single person in that three-mile radius to let them know that we love them, that we're here for them. And so that's one reason I want you to be faithful in your giving. So as we gear up for that kind of thing, we want to make sure that our hearts are right, that we're hearing from God. I believe this is a delicate season that we have to know what God is speaking. And so I want you to join us beginning next Sunday for 21 days of devotion. We'll be telling you more about that. We've got a whole hashtag. And as you're tweeting and Instagramming, we'd love for you to tell us, what are you studying? What is God speaking to you? And throughout the weeks, we'll be sending you emails and updates, and you'll be hearing from some of our lead team that will be sharing devotionals throughout the whole week. So the next three Sundays, the 17th, and then the next two Sundays after that, that will be our theme, devoting our heart to God. Then this is exciting. I want you to write this down. Wednesday night, so what would that be? The, 20, the 17th is, is Sunday. What would be that Wednesday night? Help me. The 20th, I believe. Yes. Right here at this building from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, we're going to be having a night of worship and prayer. It's going to happen the next three Wednesday nights. Not this Wednesday night. The next three, after we begin, man, I am so confusing right now. Have y'all got this? <sighs> so next Sunday begins the 21 days of devotion. Y'all got that? The three Wednesdays after that, we're going to be meeting here from 6 to 7 o'clock for a time of prayer. Isn't that great? And they're opening this up. There won't be a lot of format. We won't really be having child care. It's going to be just time of prayer. We'll have some soft music playing. And we want to encourage you to come and spend some time in prayer together. We'll worship together. We're going to be taking communion. It's going to be a really, really beautiful, beautiful time. I'm going to encourage some of you to fast during this 21 days. If you don't know what fasting is, it just means abstaining from food. Or if you're diabetic and you can't abstain from food, then pick something else. It's coffee or whatever it is. Think of something that you can throughout this 21 days that, that you can step away from and say, God, I'm making a commitment to devote my life for you. 21 days of devotion. How many are ready for that? Ready? That obligatory hand clap. So 
Yeah, I think we're ready. I don't know what it is. I'm still confused. How could you be confused? You have a hashtag and everything. Come on, that makes, makes it official. We were in the middle of a series called Anchored, and in the middle of that series, we felt like the Lord kind of hijacked us for a, a few Sundays. And uh, we had it all planned out, and man, God just began to do something. And, and so a couple of Sundays ago, if you were here, I had my notes, I was all ready, and in the middle of that, I just set them aside and just kind of went from my heart, something I felt God was speaking to us. And we were in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, and um, just kind of went off the top of my head and from the bottom of my heart. Hey, that's a good line right there. I like that. Uh, and just began to go after it. And then the next Sunday, last Sunday, came in and we went through what happened when Isaiah saw the Lord. If you've never read Isaiah 6, uh, that's a, it's a great passage of Scripture, especially as we're beginning to enter a new season. Because it says, the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And we begin to talk about before a new season can come, an old season has to die. I want to encourage those of you that are battling with things, let some stuff go. Simple. We, a lot of times we wait on God to do the work, and He's waiting on us to do the work. Just let some things go, all right? And so in that, we found seven steps to a new season. If you were not here, uh, I'm going to reiterate it uh, because I want you to get them, and then we'll dive into what we feel for today, okay? First one is revelation. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. You have to see Him in a new way. You have to see Him as He is before you can ever enter, enter into a new season. You can't see Him the way your old pastor saw Him. You can't see Him the way you were raised. You have to see God the way that he really is. The next one is adoration. You see God as he is, and that's going to make you want to worship in a way that you've never worshipped before. Uh, I, I begin to talk about the fact that we feel like sometimes you get, come on, y'all, let's worship. If we really saw God the way that he is, nobody has to teach the angels how to worship because they're always seeing him. So they have, always have a heart of worship. Adoration brings about conviction. Isaiah said, woe is me. You ever been in the presence of the Lord and suddenly you begin to look at your own heart and go, man, I am not right. Raise your hand. And if you think you're right all the time, then that may mean that we haven't been in the presence of the Lord enough. Because when he shows up, people start falling down. You ever notice that? All through the Bible, when God shows up. And a lot of times we're like, God, I want you to show up, but just don't mess up my hair, okay? Show up, but I don't want you to mess up the format that I have. Brings about conviction. Conviction brings about purification. As soon as Isaiah said, Woe is me, the angel picked up a hot coal of fire and placed it upon his lips. And this is something we said last week. God always cleans what he uses. Always. So if God is working on you and he's putting you through a steam bath and you feel like you've been boiled in hot water, what's happening is God is wanting to use that thing. And so he is purifying that. If that's your mind or your eyes or your mouth, he always does that. And then commission comes next. And God said, I want to send somebody who's going to go for me. And then submission follows commission. This is where Isaiah said, I'll go. I'll submit my will and my plan to your will and your plan. And lastly, the seventh step to a new season is proclamation. Where you've gone through all this and now you're like, all right, now I've got a word to deliver. 
Look at me. We're in a city full of people that have a word to deliver, and yet they have not gone through the process. We see God, we have a revelation, and we want to jump right over to declaring that. I want to sing my song. I want to tell the whole world about it. That's not how it happens. And that's what what happens on those kind of days is your talent or your revelation outruns the process. And so your character is way back over here. And so you outrun your character, and that's why you see people fall and mess up and marriages fall apart and careers destroyed and blown up. I got to tell you, as a pastor, we love seeing God move on people's lives and God promote and progress. And man, we celebrate that. But I have to tell you, there are times that I watch people promotion happening and we know that that promotion is not from God. You can just tell it. It's because they got the hustle and the flow and they know who to talk to and what to do. And it scares me to watch what's going to happen in their life. And so I pray for them. God, please let their character catch up with that. That is good, mama. That's a good word. That's my mama there. And she said it's good. So it's a good word. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. High and lifted up. Look at me. As we enter this new season, I want us to have a heart to seek God's face. I want to seek God's face. Because we can never become like Him until we see Him as He is. I want us to read 1 John chapter 3. This is a a passage of Scripture that we read the past several weeks. But I want to dive into it for just a little bit more today. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. That is amazing, isn't it? Just stop right there. That's incredible. Behold. If you ever see behold in the Bible, just stop and look, okay? Because that's a big... Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we would be called the children of God. Y'all, look at me. Now look at you. We're a mess. Right? We're a mess. We're all prodigals, and we're heathens, and we're hellions, and we can't do it right, and we can't keep it between the lines. Can I get an amen from somebody? And we do good, we do, we good, and then we crash, and then we just, it's just, we're just a mess. And he comes, and he saves us, and literally all he has to do is call us, We could be his slaves for the rest of life, for the rest of eternity, because he saved us. But he doesn't make us slaves. He calls us friends. And he doesn't just call us friends. He calls us sons and daughters. That's crazy. And if he never did did anything else, that's all it is. Behold what manner of love God has bestowed upon us. We get to be called his kids. We didn't even have names. We didn't even know who our daddy was. And now we're children of God. It's like the prodigal running off and going crazy, spending all of his daddy's money and showing back up to daddy's house and saying, I'll just be one of your slaves. And the daddy says, you ain't a slave. You're my boy. The love of God. Look at your neighbor and say, the love of God. You get to be one of God's kids. Some of y'all didn't even look at your neighbor, much less say anything. Look at your neighbor and say, the love of God. You get to be one of God's kids. (laughs) 
I remember a couple of years ago when that was a revelation to some of you. And now you're kind of bored with it. I'm very serious. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now, everybody say now. We are the children of God. Say it. Say now. We are the children of God. And that's awesome, right? We just established that. That is incredible. But watch this. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. What, there's more? But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We spent some time talking a couple of weeks ago that revelation brings transformation. When you see him as he is, you become as he is. You begin to take on. That's why no man can see God and live. Because God is a spirit. And when you see him, you become like him. So your flesh goes, pretty much. You become what he is. So you begin to see more love of God. You have more of God's love in your life. You begin to see more of God's patience. You have more patience. So if you and I are not being transformed, that means we're not seeing enough of him. So don't ask for more transformation. Ask, God, show more of you to me. We shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This is a verse that we didn't touch on the other day. We stopped on the revelation transformation. But I want to talk for a few moments today on this thing called purity. Everyone who has this hope, what hope? The hope that one day we're going to be like him. Everyone who has that hope purifies himself just as God is pure. Why purity? Why? Well, it's simple. Matthew chapter 5 and 8 says this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The only people that get to see God, remember when you see him, you become like him, but the only way you can ever see him is to have a pure heart. Psalms 24, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Psalms 24 and verse number 3 says this, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? Verse 4, he who has clean hands and a pure heart and has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. This scripture, when it says who may ascend to the hill of the Lord, you know what that is? Only the special people get to go there. Who may go to the holy place? It's talking about this special place that only the few people get to go. But you and I know what David didn't know, and that's this. God has rent the veil, and he's opened up the holy place to anybody that wants to show up. Any of us can show up now. But you have to have clean hands and a pure heart. Write this down, clean hands. I didn't say say it, I said write it down. <laughs> well, I've been repeating so much, and I don't, 21 days of devotion and hashtags, and I don't know. Write this down, clean hands equal action. Clean hands, what you do. What you build, the fruit of your labor, clean hands, your works, 
clean hands. Let me ask you something. Is what you're doing clean? Is it clean? Has it got dirt on it? Is there darkness attached to it? It's got to be clean. And I'm looking at folks that have a heart to change the world. Don't change the world with dirty hands. You're just not going to do it. None of us are. I don't care if you're in ministry, pastoring and speaking to thousands and singing to millions. It doesn't matter to me. You're not really going to see the change that God wants us to see if our, if our hands are dirty. Remember, we said God always cleans what he uses. And so I've been asking God, clean my hands. What I do, clean my hands. But then it says this, not only clean hands, but a pure heart. So clean hands is my action, but a pure heart is my attitude. Or another word to put there is my motivation. What's my motivation? What are my motives? See, cleanliness is an outward thing. It's something that you and I can do, right? We can clean ourselves up. It's like like Jesus told the Pharisees, you're like whited sepulchers. You're clean on the outside, but on the inside, it's putrid. It's full of dead men's bones. What was he saying? Your hands may be clean, but you haven't made it to your heart. I will say this to you. It is much easier to have clean hands and a pure heart. I'm talking to religious folks right now. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Clean hands. That's that outward thing. Are you clean? Or are you listening to that kind of music? I'm going to raise that way, you know. What you wear, what you don't wear, where you go, where you don't go, this kind of stuff. That's clean hands. That's what that is. That's easy. But... But when you start getting to where it's a pure heart, that's not as easy to define. Right? See, folks think that legalism is hard. No, legalism is easy. Because then you know what's right and wrong. Right? You can judge it. That person's bad because she did so and so. That's clean hands. But when you move to this thing where it's a heart issue, a heart issue, And that's what Jesus did in the Beatitudes. He took things that were hard and made them harder. He said, you've heard it said that if you have sex with someone who is not your spouse, that's a sin. That's what he said. But I say to you that if you just think about it in your heart and hear, (laughs) you begin to imagine. And he said, I say to you, that that is just as much a sin. So he took what was easy to stone somebody for. We caught her committing adultery. Y'all remember that story? Dragging her. They've got stones in their hands. If you don't know that story, look it up. We're going to destroy her, Jesus. What you got to say about that? And he kneels down and begins to write in the sand. Many theologians believe he began to write their sins in the sand. Because suddenly he made it about something that wasn't an act, but it was an attitude. It was a motivation. You and I can have clean hands. We've washed ourselves. We, we've done all the ceremonial things. We've been baptized and taken communion. And, and we, we pray and we do all this. But our motives and motivations may be wrong. I'm praying that God makes my motives right. 
Motives. Why? Actions are what you're doing, but clean hands is what you do, but pure heart is why you're doing it. Why? Why are you pushing? And why are you wanting to change things? And why are you wanting to be successful? And why are you doing this? And why are you doing that? Your, your heart is all about your motives and your motivations. God, make our heart pure today. Make our heart pure. If you've been around here long enough, you know that we talk about purity. And when we do, we have a whole kind of different mindset on it. Because purity is not really about getting the dirt out. Purity is not about getting the impurities out of your life. You know, when, when the Bible talks about, I want, I want gold that's been tried in the fire. And we always like, that's because it gets all the impurities out. Not really. Gold that's put in the fire is returned back to its natural state. So you take a block of gold, you put it in the fire. What does that gold do? It melts and it becomes molten, which is how gold was created in the first place. So purity is not really the lack of impurities. It's getting you back to the way God made you in the first place. Molten and malleable. And, and the, the side note of that is the impurities float to the top. So sometimes we're so, man, I'm bringing a word to somebody right now. This is, maybe it's just a boomerang to me. Those of you that have heard this before, just pretend you haven't and just amen like crazy, Okay. So what happens is God makes you the way he wants you, and he makes your motives and your motivations right. But then life comes along and shapes us and conforms us. That's why the scripture says, don't be conformed to this world, but be you what? Transform. There's that word again. Transform how? By the renewing of your mind. And so what happens is we're conformed, And then religion comes along and tries to reform, reformation, right? But God wants to transform. And transformation happens by seeing Him as He is. And suddenly, when you see Him as He is, you become what? You become as He is. You and I were created in His image. See where we're going now? It's this full circle thing. Suddenly, I see Him. I become like Him. And then I get to see him again. Because when I see him, my heart is made pure. And that means it opens me up to see more of him and more of him. And that's why Corinthians says this in 3 and 18, I believe. It says you're supposed to go from glory to glory to glory as he is revealed to us. We are transformed into that image. So those of you that thought that living for God was just, I confess you, Lord, is my personal Savior. Now, take me to heaven. And that was just it. You're missing out on the whole thing. God wants it to be this beautiful, abundant journey where we just become more like him and more like him and more like him and more like him until suddenly we're so much like him that we just show up in his presence and never go back home. Instead of, oh, God, I just hope I can make it to the rapture. I mean, if that's what the way it was, what we would do is we would just say, confess your sins. Right? Just take you out right there. You'd confess and we'd just have a room everybody would go to and we would just end everything just right there. Just a big boulder would drop. That ain't how it's supposed to be. 
If it's about just getting saved and just hanging on until I get to heaven, that ain't it. We're supposed to get saved and then step into abundant life. And you just keep growing and growing and you love life and you love your family. And even in tribulations, you can rejoice because you know those tribulations are perfecting what God wants. Wesley, Wesley knows what I'm feeling. I'm about to go. My goodness, y'all. What if we could get hold of this revelation of what God wants us to be and who God wants us to become? And it wouldn't be about just getting by. Man, God, make us like you. I'm sick of me. I'm sick of me. I don't know about you, but I look in the mirror, and I don't want to be more like me. As good as I am, I'm not good enough. And I fail, and I fall, and I make mistakes, and I preach things that I'm not doing. Anybody else feel that way? You get on to your kids about things that you do. Getting on to the boys about their insecurities, and I live in it many times. I don't like me. I want more of him. More of him. So I don't know about you, but it seems impossible. It seems impossible anybody else. We talk about this purity thing. Just be honest and raise your hand. See, I think it's a bunch of bunk. Just raise your hand. I just think, I just think it's impossible. I think you're crazy. Here's what makes it possible. We read 1 John 3 and 3, uh, what did we read? 1 through 3. I want you to bring up 1 John 3 and 5. Watch this. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. And there is no sin in him. And anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Let me talk to those of us that keep on sinning. You know why? We're not in him enough. You may have him in you, but there's a difference in having Christ in you and being you being in Christ. And 85 times in the New Testament talks about being in Christ. In Christ, there is no condemnation. Why? Because if you're in Christ... You're not going to want to do that mess that you want to do. It's not about laying things down. It's not about giving things up. As we enter into this season of 21 days of devotion next Sunday, I don't want you to think this is some legalistic mess that you got to give up and do that. No, it's about more of Him. Because the more we see of Him, the more we become like Him. You and I can never purify ourselves. We can clean ourselves, but we can never purify our heart. That's why it says this, Jesus came to take away our sins. And there is no sin in Him. So if you're in Him, then there is no sin. Psalms 24, verse number 5. We read 24 Three through four. Let's read five. They will receive blessings from the Lord. Remember, it talks about clean hands and pure heart. Then it goes on saying, they will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from God our Savior. How many want some vindication? 
Come on, just be honest. You would love a little vindication every once in a while. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. I want you to say this with me. God, raise up a Jacob generation. That understands that it's not about clean hands and pure heart. But it's really about seeking his face. It's not about ceremonial cleansing. It's not about doing things the right way. Or not doing things the wrong way. But it's about seeking his face. In this room I'm looking at some folks that the light has gone out in your eyes. Life has ebbed. And you're just a shell of what you were or could be. I want today for there to be an infusion of hope as Kristen prayed. I want this morning for there to be this thing that jumps on us that we just want to see more of him. Forget your talent. Your talent can be taken away with one injury. Bye-bye, gone. Just snap, just a leg snap, just a vocal strain, just an aneurysm. Right? Gone. All of your strategies and plans, just gone. One swerve off the road changes your whole life. That's it. And so today I want to encourage you to take your eyes off of what you're good at and what you're bad at and lift them up and begin to seek the face of God. So how do we see him? Who gets to see him? Those who have what? Clean hands, pure heart, and number three, those who are looking after his face. If you've never read this, I want you to read. John, just come play something soft and dramatic if you have it. (laughs) Dramatic. I heard some 80s tones on that keyboard today. Don't play that. (laughs) Do you have an angelic tone somewhere? That would be good. If you've never read this, write this down. Genesis chapter 32. And then if you want to get the the story before that, you can get over to Genesis uh, chapter 28, I believe it is. This is the story of Jacob. Remember we just read it just a moment ago? Generation of Jacob. Why Jacob? Most of the time it's called Israel, right? But here, he calls it Jacob. Why? Because the writer wants you to do some study. He wants you to read that and go, well, why didn't you say Israel? Why are you saying Jacob? Because Jacob was his name before it was changed to Israel. And he wants you to begin to figure out, wait a minute, now why? What's going on here? This is the generation of those who seek you. You seek your face, God. The story of Jacob, you can go back and study it. He was a, his name means supplanter or con man or hill grabber. 
because his brother was born before him. They were twins. And Jacob grabbed hold of his brother's heel. He was fighting even as they were born, trying to be first. And so he connived his way to getting what was rightfully his brother's. Y'all know the story. If you don't know it, Google it, okay? It's a great story. In Genesis chapter 28, the scripture says that Jacob was doing his thing, and suddenly he had a dream. And in this dream, the heavens were opened, and a ladder came down, and angels were ascending and descending. He had an experience with God. I say an experience. I'm talking to a group of people. We're in a city of people that have had an experience with God. But Jacob wasn't satisfied with that. Because in Genesis 32, he shows back up. And this time, he says, I'm not going to stop until I have an encounter with God. He sent all of his family away. He had hundreds, maybe thousands of people that were following him. He sent them all away. Y'all go on. Livestock, cattle, my lineage, my heritage, my inher- everything. Y'all go over there. And I'm going to come over here. And I'm not going to leave until I have an encounter with God. And the scripture says that a man showed up with a capital M and they wrestled all night. And the man with a capital M, who I think we all know who that is, said, I got to go. You got to let me go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. You're going to bless me. You're going to bless me. And the scripture says that the angel of God or God robed in that whatever you want to say, that, that epiphany. Or, he said, I, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to bless you. I'm going to change your name. From now on, you're not going to be Jacob. You're going to be Israel. Because you've wrestled with God. See, what would happen if, if we could push, take all of our fortune and our livestock and our strategies and send it on we could just spend some time and say, I'm not going to leave until I see you, Lord. I'm not going to leave. I'm, I, in this room, I'm looking around at some of you. That, that's your heart right now. I, I know one young man that is on an extended fast right now. And he says, I'm, not, I, I'm just going to go until God does something. I know some of you that have gone in deep in your prayer time and gone in spending more time in the Word of God and putting some time aside I want to encourage you today to devote our heart to see in the face of God. After Jacob is done with this encounter with God, he changes the name of that place to Peniel, which means the face of God, which is the exact word that is used in Psalms 24 and 6. When it said, this is the generation of Jacob that seeks the face of God. What if we could become a Jacob generation? What if we could become a church that has a heart to see God's face? Look, I'm all about social reformation. I'm all about a new sound. I'm all about doing things cool and great and changing the city and the industry and politics and entertainment and education. Yes, that is our heart. We want to see all that. Man, let's not get the cart before the horse. We've got to see his face. We have to know him as he is. 
Come on, I want to encourage those of you that know how to go after God, to go after God like you've never gone after Him before. I want to encourage you that have never gone after God, to go after God. I don't know how. That's okay. None of us do. But I will tell you this. All it takes is someone saying, I'm not going to leave until you show up. God just comes running. God loves hungry people. How many are hungry for more of Him? Thirsty for more. So, Lord, I just lay myself before you. I say that this morning that you are an amazing God. And you do all things well. And I can't speak for these folks. But I can speak for me and I can speak for my family. We've made a commitment that we want you and nothing else, God. We've seen success. We've received the rewards, the awards, the accolades. We've done all that. Done last. And God, we have suffered such tragedy and loss and injustice all in this room. But none of that matters. Everything pales in comparison to your face. So we turn our eyes toward you, Lord. We lift our face to you. God, we look to you. You're all we need today. You're all we need. Just close your eyes today if if you haven't already. Don't, don't, Don't tune me out now I've had you close your eyes. Stay with me just for a few moments, okay? I feel like an old-timey evangelist this morning just reaching for somebody. I want to start with those of you that God woke me up early this morning praying for. I mean, my eyes opened up, and I was praying for those that were hopeless. Just praying for you. Many times I'll pray and I'll see a face. I saw nothing. I don't know who you are, but I know you're here this morning. And I know that you've thought about some rash things this week. God's reaching out for you today. Would you be honest and say, that was me? Would you just raise your hand and say, that was me? I almost made a decision this week. God stops the whole thing. He interrupts a whole series of marketing plans for you today. Would you turn your face toward him? I can't give you any other hope than that. Turn your face toward him. Just look up to him. Don't give up, sweetie. Don't give up. I know it's tough. I can't imagine what you walk through. But don't give up. He cares for you. A moment ago when I was talking about us wanting to have more than our budget so we can just bless families. I'm looking across this room and I know many of you that are in such a need right now. I, I want to just come and just give you a wad of cash or write you a check and just want to do it. But I'm going to say something to you. Even that's not enough. We could pay off your mortgage. We could take care of all your bills. You could win the lottery. But that's not enough. Your hope is not in that. Our hope is in Him. So just lift your head up. 
Those of you that have lost hope, just lift your head up. He cares for you. He knows where you are. He loves you. All right? We'll talk to a few more people. Just keep your eyes closed. How about those of you that things aren't so bad right now? Things are pretty good. But in that, you feel like you've maybe lost your hunger for him. Kind of lost that, uh, that push. Would you just raise your hand? More of you, Lord. More of you. God, don't let bad things show up to make us seek after you. Let us seek after you in the middle of the good times, in the great times. We turn our face towards you, Lord. Turn our face towards you. A couple more people. Maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord. Or maybe it was years ago, but something's clicking today and you want to rededicate your life to Jesus. We're not going to make you do anything special. Just say a prayer with us in a few moments. I'd love to see the hands. Anybody here today? Says, yeah, that's me. I want to make that commitment this morning. I want to thank you, sweetie. I want to pray a prayer today. Maybe even raised as a in a Christian home or been a believer, but man, this is new today. You want to seek his face like never before. Anybody else? A hand raised? A hand raised today? Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. We prayed for you this morning. That's awesome. I love that. 